Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Friday, September 11th. We begin with a chat with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We'll get details on the mayor's meeting yesterday with Police Chief Mark Newfeld about the plans the CPS has to tackle systemic racism. Next, it's a win for the city of Calgary. We'll speak with the CEO of a new tech company who chose our city to set up shop to build state-of-the-art electric motors. Then we head stateside with just over 50 days until the federal election. We get the latest on the campaigns of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden from Global's Washington reporter Jennifer Johnson. And finally, we go back 19 years on this, the anniversary of the terrorist attacks of 9-11. We share your thoughts on where you were when you heard the devastating news and how our lives have changed since. See, I am the mayor of Ma's Cafe. 7.42 now. This is normally where we check in with Danielle Smith, brought to you by River's Edge Villa Bungalows in Cochrane, featuring breathtaking views of the Rocky Mountains. But with summer behind us, City Council's getting back to work. And yesterday, a very important meeting was held following up on this summer's anti-racism forum. Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld outlining the CPS plan to address systemic racism. To talk about that and all things City of Calgary related, we're joined this morning by Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, friends. Nice to be back. Nice to have you back. Hope you had a nice summer and maybe a little time off to uh, relax and recuperate. No, none of those things. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> dealing with crisis after crisis after crisis. Yeah. That's okay. That's why we do this. For sure. Now, I wanted your thoughts on after the chief said yesterday that, you know, he does not believe the police service is a racist organization, but he does believe there is systemic racism in it, as well as other public institutions. Yeah, you know, yesterday, I want to say, was a really historic day, not just for Calgary, but probably for police services across Canada and through North America. And I was very impressed with the chief and the police commission and the real vulnerability that they showed in saying, look, it's possible for us to feel, as I do, great pride in the women and men of the police service who perform miracles on every single shift, but also to acknowledge that there are issues of institutional racism or systemic racism that have been around for a long time and that enable sometimes the work of some of these bad apples and that there are people in our community, law-abiding, decent people, who rather than feel comforted when they see a police officer or police vehicle, they feel scared. Mm -hmm. And we got to fix that and we have to address it. And it was sort of a very deep, very serious conversation you know, there's a few people here and there who try to turn this into slogans or I back the police or I don't back the police or Black Lives Matter as they do or, you know, I'm not sure I believe that. Um, but in reality, of course, Black Lives Matter, Indigenous Lives Matter, but these are serious and very, very difficult conversations. And I was so really, really pleased that the police and the commission came open to that discussion instead of putting up a wall as we've seen in many other places. Mayor, the plan, the review, the look at these policies, the ball's been rolling, and obviously you say yesterday was a great success. So where do we go from here? What are the next steps forward? Well, there's a number of things that, a number of specific things that the police have brought forward, and council's going to spend some time, look at that list, see if they want to add to it or subtract from it. But for example, they will be completely revamping their disciplinary process, and you will have heard on the news yesterday the story of Constable Lindsay, who was able to leave the service before the disciplinary hearing started. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be looking at a bunch of that stuff. That'll require the province to help with changes to the police act. They're going to hire a civilian executive director for their professional standards branch. They 
committed to go through disciplinary process much, much, much faster uh, than they have in the past. They're going to review the school resource officer program that really hasn't been redesigned since the 1970s to make sure that's actually helping students create a better relationship with the police, not a relationship with fear. So a lot of really thoughtful things that'll start rolling out probably as soon as the budget this fall, because of course, one of the things they also said is they themselves said, let's reallocate some of our funding towards services that will deal with some of these issues around particularly mental health right. uh, much more efficiently. That was key, I think, and a really important message uh, from the police and, you know, speaks to the situation that we're in in, in our in our society right now, that that money is important and, and there does need to be some help when people and police get go to a call, right? Um, we, we're going to have to let you go in a minute, so I want to touch with you before we do that. A phase three reopening, where are we in terms of, uh, you know, opening the rest of the businesses and everything? In, in the city of Calgary? Well, as you know, right now, the, uh, the cases are going up and they're, they're going up in kind of a frightening way. The good news is that it doesn't seem to be quite as serious, but more people uh, are getting them. We're back to summer numbers. That was to be expected uh, as we open up the community and as uh, schools open, obviously. And I know everybody's been talking about what's going on in the schools. So I just need to remind everybody Discipline, discipline, discipline. Because right now, if you want to make sure that we keep everything open, because I think the provincial government is more concerned with status quo rather than going any further. Um, you know, and of course, in BC and Ontario and in Quebec, they've stepped back. So if we don't want to step back and we want to keep where we are, people have to remember the three critical things. Good hygiene, wash your hands, cover your cough. Keep your physical distance. That's so important. Two meters, six feet, Andy and a half away from anyone else. And number three, wear a mask. Wear a mask when you're indoors. Wear a mask when you can't stay two meters away from people outdoors. And if we do those three things, we'll be able to keep this in check even as the kids are going back to school. Message remains the same. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Mayor. Thank you all. Take care. That is Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Now time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman, Calgary's last and best master plan community inside the Stony Trail Ring Road. Well, now we've got delays on northbound here, but starting at 130th Avenue up towards Southland Drive, and then again up by the Cathro Bridge. That sun is very bright this morning, and that's impacting the, thing, the drive on eastbound Anderson Road. We've got a collision at Acadia Drive in your left lane, and that backup is starting at about McLeod Trail, so it'll be at least five minutes to get through there. Southland Drive, though, is a dream drive all the way out towards Deerfoot, as is Canyon Meadows Drive up towards the Boat Bottom Trail, if you want to grab that towards Deerfoot. Uh, we are seeing delays as well on eastbound 162nd Avenue as you head through the Bridalwood and Evergreen area. There's paving just after James McKevitt Road, so we're seeing delays there of a couple of minutes as well. But once you reach McLeod Trail, northbound lanes are problem-free all the way into downtown. Introducing Be Well, wellness rewarded. This Friday to Sunday, get $10 back in Be Well points for spending $30 at Rexall. Visit Rexall.ca for details. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard. Mm, pina coladas. I love this song. Mm-hmm, me Rupert too. Rupert Holmes. Good one. I was a big fan of, I'm a big fan of this genre known as Yacht Rock. Do you know about Yacht Rock? Yacht Rock? Yacht Rock. As in if you were yachting, that's what you'd be listening to? Yeah. You, you, Who it's, doesn't? It's pretentious and over the top in its <laughs> 70s and 80s soft pop and rock. So that would uh, fall under the category of Yacht Rock uh, for sure. It is a 909 and a former CEO at General Electric is uh, banking that Calgary 
is the right place to scale up an innovative technology company that aims to improve the performance and efficiency of electric motors. For more details, we're joined by CEO of Extro Technologies Incorporated, Sue Ozdemer. Am I saying your last name correctly there? Ozdemer. Ozdemer. That's, oh, thank you so much. Okay, Sue, good morning to you. Thank you for taking the time. I'm wondering, good you know, we, uh, good, good, to, good to have you with us. I'm, I'm wondering, you probably could have chosen anywhere to set up shop. But why did you choose Calgary? Um, we, I, I had lived in Calgary before when I was working for GE, and I felt that Calgary would bring a great amount of resources. It's a beautiful city to live in, and I thought that we could really take advantage of the fact that we're technology and coming to a place with a great set of resources and a great cost of living for our team and, and be able to really build an engaged workforce. Well, we wholeheartedly agree with you about how wonderful this city is for sure. So, Sue, tell us a little bit about Extro Technologies. What's this company all about? So we are a technology company that has developed a type of controller that is making the world's electric motors stronger, faster, and smarter. And we're really helping the world towards an intelligent electrification. So intelligent, what do you mean by intelligent? Uh, How is that different? Well, there's no doubt that all around us, the electric vehicle revolution is happening. It doesn't mean that we don't use fossil fuels. And I think that's really important about who we are as a company. We are big supporters of a balance of what's around us today. So it means that we can make more out of the energy that goes into electric motors and we can minimize energy with maximum results. Sue, tell us a little bit about your history. You were CEO at General Electric. So how does that tie into what you're doing now exactly? Yeah, so um, I worked my way up through a a number of promotions and was uh, the CEO of GE Industrial Motors, a division of the GE Power organization before I joined XRO last year. And it plays in because all of our controllers are essentially connecting into the electric motors. Any type of variable torque application in the world is really an application for XRO as we connect into those electric motors. So who's going to use this? What are the applications for a motor like this? Is it industrial or is this something we could see in our own vehicles? Absolutely. So right now we are focused on the mobility or transportation industry. So a good way to think about it is products that have wheels and propel. But we could use this anywhere, any industry that has a variable application. We're currently working with everything from agricultural to recreational to heavy trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, and electric cars. Some would say this is contrary to the oil and gas industry, but do you feel there's more you know, support or partnership that you can offer up in that direction? Absolutely. We are looking towards having partnerships with companies from the oil patch as we believe that as they go towards zero emission targets, they're going to be looking to reduce carbon emissions from their heavy trucks to their processing plants. That's all places that use electric motors and that XRO could help to develop a better solution. You were at C. You were CEO at General Electric for quite some time, so apparently you've been around the industry and this technology uh, to some extent for uh, more than a couple of years. So I'm wondering if you can tell us: uh, Are you surprised at the you know the shine that electric motors are getting these days, and and how far they've come? Probably since the first time you've uh, seen uh, some in action. Yeah, absolutely. So I I actually grew up in a motor repair shop. My parents owned a motor repair shop. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's quite interesting to see how much they've become an innovative technology because they're a pretty, you know, limited type of product. And really by now being able to use controls and electronics and technology, we're taking the physics of electric motors into the 21st century. So how many employees do you have with XRO now and, and how what, what kind of growth pattern do you see for the company? 
So in the in the past three months since we've opened our facility here in Calgary, we have doubled our size. We are currently at 20 employees globally with 15 of those employees located here in Calgary. Let's talk about the skill set that, that an employee working at somewhere like Xro has to have. It. Is that something that they can take schooling for here in the city? Absolutely. So we do look for engineers from mechanical engineers to software engineers to electric tech engineers, people that can do firmware. Um, So I would say more than 75% of our staff has some kind of engineering background. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, when a company is deciding to come to a city like Calgary, is there an incentive from the city, from the municipal government to, to bring a company here? Is that something that Calgary is, you know, really trying to woo businesses like yours? Um, so, so we did not receive any incentives to come to Calgary. So, I want to I want to make clear we're here because we want to be here. Love that. Um, that that said, the Calgary Development Center was absolutely supportive in how we came, how we found a unit that suited what we need, how we recruited our employees, how we connect and network. And so, for us, it was a lot. There was obviously some financial benefit to, you know, the cost of commercial space here versus other spaces. But when we came here, it was really about being able to get the space that we wanted and recruit the people that we wanted. And the city has been absolutely supportive of that. And when you say recruit, are these recruiting locals, uh, recruiting Calgarians? Are you, are you having people move to our city for these specific jobs with extra? We have actually done both. So we have worked hard to recruit uh, some of our junior engineers or graduates of the University of Calgary, and we're working to get maybe some more interns in. Some of our senior roles being that we're focused on the automotive industry. It's not an industry, of course, that's prominent here in Calgary. So we have recruited from outside of Calgary for those roles, but we would absolutely train the right candidates as we continue to grow. Well, Sue, we welcome you and Extra Technologies to Calgary and all the employees. And uh, if people are interested in maybe seeing if there there is an opportunity for them, how do they find out more? Yeah, please. Um, we are a publicly traded company, so we are. You can check out our website at www.exro.com, and there's a link for information or to make an appointment to see our center. And then we're traded on the CSE right now under XRO. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Have Wish, a great day. You too. Wishing you much success. That's Sue Osdimer, CEO of Xro Technologies here in Calgary. My favorite part of that is when Sue said, and by the way, great name she has. Right? Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah. When she said we had no incentives, we set up shop here because this is where we want mm-hmm. to be. And that I, is huge. I think it, it's, it really speaks to what a great city we do have. And, you know, as we start to see oil and gas, it will likely never be what it was before. But new companies are coming here and realizing the benefits and the bonuses of being in this city and in this province and in this country overall. So let's have more of them coming our way. And Sue herself, although we didn't meet her except for on, on the phone, and I don't want to bring sex into it, but, you know, here is a female CEO of General Electric, grew mm-hmm. up and her parents had a motor repair shop. So go girls. This is outstanding. And the tech that you don't have to maybe even move away from home for because they're setting up shop in our city. So that extra sounds like a great great, uh, opportunity for everybody in our city. And maybe an employment opportunity if there's somebody out there looking for work. It is coming up on 917. That means it's helicopter traffic time for West District by Truman, Calgary's newest and best master planned community.
In the southeast, a collision involving a cyclist westbound Glenmore Trail at 68th Street. It's blocking your right lane. This is also a construction zone, so added delays of a few minutes. Also in the southeast, a collision 54th Avenue at Barlow Trail, seeing a small northbound delay. Through the southwest, expect delays around the intersection of 162nd Avenue and James McEvitt Road. Paving has eastbound lanes down to a single lane. And then the southbound lanes of James McEvitt are slow all the way down to the construction at Highway 22X Stony Trail. And through the northwest, construction slowing down Highway 1 where you're done with single lane in both directions between Valley Ridge Boulevard and Old Banff Coach Road. That'll be in place until about three o'clock this afternoon. A message from Canadian Blood Services. Blood donors are needed to fill over 1,300 appointments in Calgary this month. Appointments are required. Book now at blood.ca. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Brady Howard. Sue DL, Andrew Schultz, Friday morning here on The Morning Show. Thank you for being part of it along with us. Coming up uh, about 7.42 this morning, we're going to check in with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We'll talk to him about the discussion yesterday with the police chief around defunding the police. We'll also talk about phase three post-pandemic, uh, what that looks like and when we might get to that here in the city of Calgary. And coming up in just a moment, we're now less than eight weeks out from Election Day in the United States. So what are the candidates doing on this, the anniversary of 9-11. We'll find out. Time now for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Life happens at hellowestdistrict.com. Taking a look here at Glenmore Trail 37th Street in the southwest part of the city. Eastbound traffic's currently down to a single lane here, and it does start at Sarsi Trail. So a heads up if it's on your route. Uh, speed restrictions as well through this construction zone as they continue work on the ring road. A 17th Avenue boat trail coming off of Sarsi Trail. Both smooth drives out towards the downtown core. But 17th Avenue is still undergoing a lot of right lane closures to help out with physical distancing. So a heads up if that's on your route, you may encounter some delays. Um, also downtown eastbound 9th Avenue at McLeod Trail down to a single lane for crane work. That's expected to continue right through the weekend. Starting Thursday, get an additional 30 PC optimum points per liter at SON Mobile Station. Load the offer details available September 10th to 13th on your PC Optimum app or at the PCOptimum.ca. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard. on the morning news. Today marks 19 years since the shocking terrorist attacks of 9-11 rocked the United States and the world. With how the observations will look this year, we're joined by Jennifer Johnson, Washington reporter for Global News. Good morning to you, Jennifer. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. This year, the ceremonies will no doubt look different due to the pandemic. Where will the two presidential candidates be to mark the anniversary? Well, right now, Donald Trump uh, is heading to Shanksville, Pennsylvania. He's supposed to speak there at 945. That's where United Airlines Flight 93 went down. Very small town, over 200 people, just over 200 people in that town. So he will be speaking there. There is a memorial site. Joe Biden is in New York City. And then this afternoon, he will also travel to Shanksville, um, not only to commemorate the anniversary of 9-11, but Pennsylvania is a crucial swing state in the election. And so both candidates, it just won't be today on 9-11, they'll be going to Pennsylvania. They'll be going to Pennsylvania many more times between now and Election Day. Is there any thought on uh, what they might say about the United States, say, national security as we are 19 years later? Yeah, well, that's a good point. I think both President Trump and the Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, We'll talk about national security. 
Uh, Joe Biden, you know, recently over 70 Republican national security officials endorsed Joe Biden, saying that President Trump was a threat to America's national security, particularly because of his relationship with Vladimir Putin and the president of China. Um, And so I think Joe Biden will likely hammer home um, the importance of a strong national security and a commander in chief who doesn't have such cozy relationships with um, controversial world leaders, President Trump will likely talk about his military record and how much he has um, spent or increased spending with the Pentagon and the armed services as commander-in-chief. So I think national security will be a big topic they will talk about today. We've seen much more of Joe Biden, it seems, over the past couple of weeks. And particularly this week, he's had a lot of material to talk about. Do you think that's going to be Joe Biden's strategy going forward, just basically, you know, uh, reflecting what was in the Bob Woodward book or at least the uh, excerpts that have been released? Well, that's a good that's a good question. I think that the Bob Woodward book is giving him just a lot of ammunition. I think, well, you know, going back to uh, a little over a week ago when it came out in the Atlantic, that President Trump allegedly called uh, America's war dead suckers and losers, um, Joe Biden is definitely not going to let that go. And then coming out of Woodward's book, particularly that the president downplayed the COVID-19 crisis um, in January uh, and February and early March, um, Joe Biden isn't going to let that go either. I think the president is vulnerable in both areas. Um, That Suckers and Losers report has been backed up by various media outlets, including Fox News. And then the president um, called for the firing of the Fox News national security reporter. So uh, I think Joe Biden exactly is going to talk about that. I think he's going to hit home the COVID-19 pandemic. We now have over 193,000 dead Americans. Um, and as you said, it came out in Woodward's book that the president consciously downplayed things, even as his own national security advisor, Robert O'Brien, warned him in late January that this was going to be a major crisis and could take many American lives and destroy the American economy. And Jennifer, on that note, still no financial stimulus package for Americans (laughs) facing the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. So what's the delay and, and could this play a role in the election campaign for either side? Well, it just doesn't seem like the two two sides can come together on another economic stimulus bill. They've tried and tried and tried. They can't seem to pass one. You know, it's interesting what you said. It's not only going to come to play for the presidential election, but there are many senators who are up for re-election, including the Senate President Mitch McConnell. And so, you know, this is going to be a big deal for a lot of people when they go to the voting booth or they cast their ballot via mail that, you know, what did Congress do for me? Yes, there was an initial stimulus package, but then they failed and failed and failed to pass a second one. And so that will play into, you know, a lot of people's minds when they when they cast their ballot. And it's not only going to affect the presidential election, but as I said, it's going to affect a lot of Senate races, too. And it's key for the Republicans not only to win the White House, but to re- retain control of the Senate. This could be an election where the Democrats take the White House, the Democrats take the Senate, the Democrats hold on to the House. And that's, you know, if you're a Republican, that's your worst nightmare. Jennifer, you know, we've heard uh, from the major uh, medical companies in the U.S. and around the world saying that they will not release a vaccine until it is scientifically uh, proven. 
and they've gone through their due diligence. This kind of changes what uh, President Donald Trump was saying, uh, basically promising a vaccine before Election Day, November 3rd. Is the president uh, left that behind or is he still using that as uh, one of his uh, campaign points? You know, the president keeps saying that he's confident a vaccine could come out by the end of the year, if not sooner. And certainly he hopes it would come out before Election Day. But as you said, there were about a dozen um, company heads that came out and said they're not going to fast track this. They're not going to take any chances um, until they are absolutely sure that the vaccine is effective and also, more importantly, safe for everyone and, um, you know, as you know, one of the trials was halted last week or this week, um, the AstraZeneca trial, because there was, you know, pe- people were getting sick from the vaccine. Um, they weren't releasing too many details as to exactly what happened. But I think the people in charge of these companies are going to really be careful to make sure that you know, they're not releasing something that could do more harm than good and mm-hmm. also not set themselves up for lawsuits. I mean, you know, the last thing a company wants to do is be the first out of the gate and then end up with, you know, billions of dollars worth of lawsuits. So true. So, yeah, I think they're going to be very careful. You know, Dr. Fauci keeps saying highly unlikely before the end of the year and more likely the first quarter of 2021 we'll see a vaccine. Jennifer, we started off this uh, discussion talking about the terrorist attacks of 9-11 19 years later. Do you remember where you were on that day? I'm sure you do. I do. I was home with two small little boys and actually watching PBS. And a friend called and said, you better turn on the TV. And I looked at that. I have a lot of family in New York, actually, friends and family working in the World Trade Center. And I just was convincing myself after the first plane that it was just a mistake. And then when the second plane hit the second tower, I knew that we were under attack. And I ended up, I tried to get into work and the roads to the Pentagon were blocked off for a couple of days. I ended up at the Pentagon for several days after, about three days later. And it was, to this day, it's the hardest thing I ever think about. Incredible stuff. Thank you for sharing your story, Jennifer. And uh, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you guys for having me. That is Jennifer Johnson, Washington reporter for Global News. 717 helicopter traffic time for West District by Truman. Enjoy spectacular views of the city skyline and the Rocky Mountains. Oof, that sun is really bright this morning. So if you're driving eastbound, you're going to need your sunglasses on. It's something to keep in mind for sure. But volume-wise, we're just seeing a city building volume on major routes like Deerfoot Trail uh, through the northeast and southeast in the usual spots. Glenmore Trail also starting to build in volume. I want to mention as well that Glenmore is down to a single lane eastbound as you come off of Searcy Trail out towards 37th Street. And that is uh, seeing a a bit of a steady drive in that eastbound direction. Once you pass 37th Street, though, it's wide open out towards 14th Street and beyond. We've also got construction happening on the southeast end of Glenmore Trail around 68th Street. Speeds are down in that area. So you're seeing a slight westbound delay, but things open up after that point as you continue towards Deerfoot. Want football? The zone has more live football than anyone else. Exclusive Premier League, exclusive UEFA Champions League, all the NFL. DAZN, start your free trial today at DAZN.com. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard. Where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day? The cops have not answered their phone.
Our number one is in staff, and our five is in staff. I am Wilco from Washington. I am a situation where the American learned the possible hijack. What's going on, Betty? The crap is erratic again. Problems very erratic. Eddie, are you there? Eddie? Did you wait for the children? Eddie? Dear loved ones, pray for the world. What? 737? Did what? Like the world changed. Who are you talking to? Oh, God. Oh, my God. United 175, New York. We have some problems over here right now. We might have a hijack over here, two of them. Still it's incredible in in some ways sudiel it seems like it was uh, last year in some uh, ways it seems like it was a lifetime ago 19 years ago today 19 men hijacked four fuel loaded u.s commercial airplanes bound for west coast destinations a total of 2977 people killed in new york city washington dc and just outside of shanksville pennsylvania still uh, it is it's a powerful day today to remember it to think about it i think we all remember where we were when we heard the news and just could not take our eyes off the TV or ears from the radio, trying to figure out what was going on, pandemonium and, and panic and confusion. It was quite a, a, it was a horrendous day. And, yeah. and still to this day is, is so powerful to, to hear people's memories. It, powerful. And it's such a crazy time in the world as we sit in 2020. But the observations uh, of the anniversary certainly going on. Reporter Aaron Katursky says the New York Police Department is mourning at a t- time of COVID-19. New York City Police Commissioner Dermot Shea remembers the smell and the smolder. Picture midnight, the fire burning, the haze, the smell and everything else. It was the day after 9-11 when Shea approached the wreckage from the south. You come through and now you just see that image and that'll be burned on my my memory till till the day I die. The NYPD is remembering 23 police officers who died on September 11th. More recently, twice that many have died of COVID-19. Shea said he's thinking of loss, perseverance, and rebuilding. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. So many memories, so many people, you know, have a, a key thing that really brought it home for them at that time. Somebody texted in to say, I drove to Disney that year on the way home. We got a room in Vegas. And on September 10th, the next day, we found out the border was closed. Went up to the front desk to rent a room for a few more days. Price went way up. Phoned hotels. They had all raised their prices because people were trying to, you know, find someone, a place to stay because nobody was taking flights after that. Grounded across North America and around the world, really. Another text almost, uh, you know, to that point. On 9-11, I had just woken up my husband and he had the TV on. I thought he was watching a movie. It was awful. Mm -hmm. The day before, we had just arrived back home from Australia We almost got caught up in the worldwide grounding of planes. On 9-11, I'd driven my husband to work, says this texter. I was driving home with my three-year-old and three-week-old. Nothing on radio news until a caller called into the station that they were listening to in particular. Said a plane had gone into the tower. So everybody, of course, turning on their TV and watching in complete and utter disbelief, I think, at that point. And hitting close to home, it was incredible the connections we heard between 
Calgarians or Canadians for that matter and the events. This one texter says, my cousin's husband, uh, my cousin's husband's office was in one of the Trade Center towers. He was stuck in traffic on his way to work because of the first plane hitting. So it's just a, a really weird circumstance there another, in a good way. Another remembering 9-11 at work and her mom called her in tears, glued to the TV and the computer all day, but the mom was so upset. She was a teenager in England during World War II and the memories came flooding back for her of the airstrikes and running for bomb shelters. And, you know, that just makes me think of the pictures and the images of the people running from the World Trade Center site trying to get away from that as the towers were falling. It was just just unbelievable to be watching it on TV. Where were you? What were your thoughts? How did it impact your life? September 11th, 2001. Text line always open. 403-974-8255. It's 8.17 now. Time now for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman a community connected to its city. We did have a couple of collisions, both of which now clear. Elbow Drive in Lansdowne Avenue and eastbound Anderson Road at Acadia Drive, but you're still dealing with that glare factor. The eastbound drive is going to be very difficult this morning. We also made it down into the southwest, checking out paving on 162nd Avenue near James McKevitt Road. Eastbound lanes are down to a single lane, and that will be in place until about 7 o'clock this evening. Starting Thursday, get an additional 30 PC optimum points per liter at SOM Mobile Station. Slow the offer. Details available September 10th to 13th on your PC Optima map or at pcoptima.ca. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard.